0: You filthy animals. <laughs> How my buddies over at the R2 Sonic Campfire doing today? Never well, Keep them
1: warm. Keep warm. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Oh,
0: man. <laughs> you guys should come. You're my good luck charms, man. I always catch fish with you guys. Is, <laughs> is there room on the bus? Because I look at you guys, and the, the eight or nine of you guys impress me a lot. You know, because I first Stop ran... It. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, you know. <laughs> no, go on. You guys. Um, I don't do advertising. You're not gonna see me on billboards or in newspapers, classifieds. Not Podcasts. that. Well, yeah, there's that because you know you guys are awesome. But, uh, <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, that's comforting
0: to know, in case I say something stupid. No, no. yeah, no. oh,
2: yeah. You're like, you're hearing it. That's, that's kind of me. our thing, so don't step on our turf. Yeah, come on, man. <laughs> Oh, man, I hope I I hope
0: I don't.
1: What we're saying is actually new, so uh, that's why we're fumbling a little bit, but it's going to sound amazing.
2: And we are back. You are listening to the Rutten River Pursuit Podcast. Podcast. Bye, we are sitting around the sign Campfire, boys. <laughs> Boom. Listen Woo-hoo! to it. Listen to it go off. I, love yeah, it. I still can't get over that new intro. Loving it. I've been burning my eyebrows off with it.
0: It's, <laughs> it's really, good stuff,
2: Bucky. It's really upbeat. It sure is, bud. But hey, we are Reality Outdoor Radio, where our mission is to get you in the outdoors by connecting you with the people, Skills and products you can trust. You can can trust trust them. Mm -hmm. I'm Ryan. Who do I got with me tonight? This is Dave. I'm Will. It's Bucky. How's it going, boys? It's going great. Is that right? Yeah, bud. Can you tell us about this month's sponsor? Oh, yeah, that's right. I'll tell you about this month's sponsor. Tell me. This month's episodes are brought to you in part by Protection First Class Outdoors. PFC lubes were designed and developed to protect and lubricate your firearms, your bows, your tree stands, heck, all your outdoor equipment. What about fishing rods? Absolutely, fishing rods, Stevie. You know it. No way. You know it. Even kniveses? You can use it on all your kniveses, Bucky, the ones you made and the ones you bought. Guys, I'm telling you, this stuff was originally designed to use an automotive undercoating. Now, don't get more corrosive than that. I heard that. That's true. Hey, Ryan. Yeah, buddy. Does it leave a film or residue? Absolutely not, Brian. No film, no residue. This stuff isn't going to harm the bluing on your firearms, any other kind of finish you got on any of your other outdoor products. This stuff is the ticket. And uh, what? now wait. I bet it freezes. It does not freeze, Bucky. What? Oh. But there's one more thing I got to tell you about. This stuff will also act as a cover scent. You got how many, me. How many times have you ever taken a well-protected and lubricated piece of equipment in the outdoors it stinks, boys. It yes, stinks. It Not this stuff. They got the earth and the pine cover scent mixed right into the lubricant. Wow. They Come thought on. Can't of everything. That's right, guys. Make sure you head on over to pfcoutdoors.com. Check out everything they got going on over there. Pick up some of that lube. It's the
0: ticket. <laughs> Guys, I have a guest for us tonight. Is that right? And I'm pretty excited. This guy is an adventurer, photographer, videographer, journalist, what? cowboy, what? dreamer. I'm still going on. Hang Come on. Come on now. What did you do? He's a wanderer. <laughs> he happens to be a digital creator for Wild Horse Motion. And guess what? Tell me. He's the host of the Badlands Film Festival. Is that right? What? Yeah. We have Tim <laughs> Ensley on the line, guys.
3: The Tim Ensley. We do. Are you there, bud? I'm here, guys. That, hey, was, a, that <laughs> was a that was a that was an awesome intro, man. Like I, I honestly don't think I've ever been introduced like that, and I just I just want to say like that was a that was an amazing intro. Like I really feel good about myself uh, right uh,
2: now. <laughs> little, that was that was our our mission. A well, little
1: pee came out. I'm we am not gonna lie. We the feel fact, good about you. The fact that you answered the phone
0: yeah. is, is crazy. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll tell you what, Tim is a busy, busy dude, that's for sure. I can't keep up watching you on Instagram, Tim, of where you're located from week to week, much less where you call home. Yeah. Where
3: are you right now, man? Um... Well, believe it or not, like right now, I'm in Arkansas. I'm riding in my wife's truck because she had to come pick me up on the side of the road on the interstate because I blew a radiator hose out of my truck. So, uh, oh, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I called you guys as soon as I called the tow truck. <laughs> right after that, you guys, you guys called me and I thought it was somebody trying to sell me insurance, so I didn't answer the first time. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Then, um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then I thought, oh, I bet I know who that is. Actually,
2: uh, <laughs> actually, Tim, what I would like to do is sell you an extended. Warranty on that vehicle since you're having some car trouble. <laughs> yeah.
3: That is perfect. You know that that is something I could actually use at this moment. Uh, so uh, they never call you when
2: you want them. You know.
3: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So, but I'm in Arkansas right now. This is my home state, and um, I live in Little Rock. I've lived right here, pretty much in the same spot for uh, 23 years. So you know the Clintons. Uh, not personally, I know of them. Oh, yeah, I know, know of them. Uh, uh, I know I know where they used to work. <laughs> 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 like my wife can see their offices like out of her office. No so. way! Really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: That's one of yeah. the other reasons why I would know that, that about oh, you know about Little Rock. Yeah.
3: So yeah, I don't don't personally know them, but uh, definitely know who they are. So of course, Tim, you
0: know we had you we have you on the show just because you are an outdoorsman of outdoorsmen. i mean and just what are you involved in man like just give us your rundown i know we gave you an intro but
3: man
2: yeah what do you got going on right now
3: man a little bit of everything like i just got back from california my family uh my family for 24 years is owned the largest traveling wild west show in the world and uh we yeah and so uh you're a modern actually modern day Buffalo Bill, modern yeah, day Buffalo Bill. Yeah, that's exactly go. where I
1: was going with it. Uh, not, not Annie Oakley.
3: No, not Annie Oakley, not not at all, no. Um, I'll, I'll slap him for <laughs> you. <laughs> um, yeah, so we were in California, and we, I actually produced uh, 66 live shows in 28 days. Wow!
0: Wow! I don't even have enough yeah. fingers to to figure out that math on how many that was a day. No, um, you, no, you don't. So
3: it was uh, it was a uh, it was pretty wild, and and uh, it was being in L.A. for that long. Most people would think us yeah, that's a terrible thing, but uh, it was a uh, it was actually actually it's not that bad. It's it's a great environment and the second largest fair in the United States and. They treat us really special there, we had huge crowds every every show. And um, and then on Mondays and Tuesdays there was no fair, and I went to the beach. And um, I was gonna say I saw you
2: on Venice Beach doing a little something. yeah. Lifting. So uh,
3: yeah, so it was kind of weird. So that was actually at Santa Monica Pier. So. Uh, I was coming down the, um, actually just walking down the boulevard there, down the, the side of the beach, going back to the parking lot. Yeah. And I saw some guys that were walking these slack lines. And, like, I was researching a project and, and got on YouTube one time, and I and I was researching a project about, uh, like, some guys that, that were into this slack line. And, and I, so I kind of went down the slack line rabbit hole. And I, I just really got interested in it. But no one can here you do it. it. Uh, I actually, after six days, I could take five actual steps. No, wow. that's pretty line. good. And, um, that's and really I was good. And it was—it it was really. It's a lot harder than it looks. But um, yeah, so I kind of uh, got to hang out with a pretty cool little community of slackline people. And um, you'd think that uh, when, when I told them that I, you know that I hunted, yeah. and that I you know kind of what I kind of what my passions are. Uh, man they were totally receptive of it and they're all just you know beach people and they were like man that is so cool some of them were vegans and some of them were you know just organic you know holistic medicine organic food type people and they were all like that's just super cool that you uh you know you hunt for your meat and you 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 eat what you kill and they said you know that's even though you know it's not a deal that we could probably do but it's 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 there's one of the guys actually said it doesn't get any more organic than that and I'm well, like, yeah, you're so, exactly right. I, you point. know it,
1: it is not um, if I didn't do this podcast, I would really be shocked. but California is like our second or third biggest market that we you yeah. know like yeah. we really have a lot of people that listen from out there and it, you know surprising. you just think it's the, it's the other way
3: but it's not yeah you would you would and, and and uh and i'm sure you know i just didn't run into the right people that would want to you know put up any sort of an argument with me but um everybody was really receptive over you know over what i do and and um and the fact that i hunt and that is you know really cool that's the fact that when you explain to them you know that it's you know like when i when i told those people that we literally haven't bought meat you know for our house and you know Almost 20 years, um, then, you know, uh, they were pretty impressed with that. They're like, yeah. that's pretty Im- impressive, you know, that yeah. you, you yeah. know, you
1: eat. Back to slack just a little bit here. How high off the ground was that thing?
3: Oh, I wasn't high. I mean, uh, for the most part, like, it's just as hard to, to walk. Um, to walk it when you're three feet off the ground as it is when you're, you know, 10 feet off the ground, it's the same line. Yeah, yeah. So, well, my next uh,
1: question is, like, did you split the difference at all? Mm, no. I mean, no. It, I, it you didn't go on both sides of it.
3: On both sides of the line, I never did. No, I actually, oh, believe it or not. I see you where you're off, going with that. Yeah, the big yeah, out. If you fall, if you fall <laughs> off the slack line, you, you usually will go – to the left or the right. Like I, I, the only person I ever saw while I was there split that actually the split the difference was, was on about a, uh, an eight foot high slack line. And he was about what they call a bouncer. Like he was one of those guys that was bouncing on it, doing all these flips yeah. and landing on his feet. Uh-huh. Dude, it was the most amazing uh-huh. thing to see that kind of agility. And he missed one day, and he uh. definitely, he definitely split the difference. And did he bounced. Um, <laughs> um, he bounced, and then he landed on his head, and then he uh. screamed really loud. And then he got up and uh, dusted himself off, and he did it again. And, Shake um, it off, but
2: was it, a, it high, was, a higher pitch scream? I imagine yeah, probably.
3: Yeah, it probably oh! was. I, to be honest with you, I just kind of caught the tail end of it, and saw what was going on, I was like, oh that. That did not look fun, but it also didn't look like the first time he had done that. So, oh, <laughs> man. Yep. so I, I enjoyed it so much that I actually bought a, a slack line and came home and put it up. It's actually out by my target range behind my right. house. It's, uh,
2: how, it's how you get to your yep. tree stand. No.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll pass on that. Like, uh, it's just um, is it, the one thing I, I enjoyed about it was the amount of focus that you actually have to have. It's kind of like shooting a bow and, and being totally focused on shooting. A bow. You you literally can't walk a slack line without being so totally completely focused. I, I mean, you just you just won't. If your mind is not totally focused on what you're doing, you'll crash and burn every time. You're not going to stay up on it. And um, and stuff like that just impresses me to watch people do stuff. You know, whether it's um, uh, whether it's rock climbers or or distance runners or. Um, anything that that you know guys that that ride seven you know guys like Shane Dorian you know in Hawaii that's a great hunter but rides 70 foot waves you know for a living yeah um, on a surfboard I mean people that can do that kind of stuff you know and professional cowboys it's that 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 win and make their living doing it it's just a whole different kind of focus you know I mean you have that ability to find that you know they call it flow state um, I never knew what the name of it was until after I quit rodeoing. but it's called flow state when you can find people that can you know I'm sure like a guy like Levi Morgan probably has that same flow state because he is so you know devastatingly hard to beat you know as far as archery tournaments go I mean he's he's got the capability obviously to get into that flow state where nothing you know breaks his concentration Yeah, he's just pure autopilot I, Yeah, I, and, and those kind of people France me super super impressed me i mean that's just the kind of people i enjoy you know learning about and being around and um i don't know so that's what kind of attracted me to the slackline deal and ended up buying one just i thought what better way to create focus you know um is to try to teach yourself how to do it i'm still not good at it and i still bust my butt and it's still a little scary but (laughs) hey it is what it is
0: (laughs) so tim how did you get started in hunting
3: Whew, man, that's a that's a kind of a weird story in its in its own. I was rodeoing with a buddy of mine, and uh, we uh, I, I just I never hunted. I mean, we were just rodeoing, and he was kind of into bow hunting, and and uh I didn't really understand it that much. I I think I'd been rifle hunting maybe one time, and uh it just kind of wasn't my thing. It wasn't that I was against it. It just I just didn't have time. I was full time rodeo cowboy and uh, everything that I did just basically went toward rodeo and i and mean, concentrating on that. And so
2: I'd have to assume we were, that picks up in the fall, right? That's like rodeo. Yeah.
3: I actually, so like it's year, it's, it's year round, man. So okay. when you're rodeoing for a living, like you're, you're, you're like you're going year round. Like literally I would have about when I, when I started hunting, I would have about 30 days. So I'd have like from the, from right around Thanksgiving until right around Christmas. And then I had to quit. I had to. that was it and uh and then i had to get back to you know it was time to start back to the rodeos again in january so okay. um so i just didn't have a lot of time and i just i just wasn't going to put a lot of a lot of my concentration on anything else just because i was so committed to what i did for a living so basically we were we were at a rodeo and my buddy had his bow with him, and, and he would shoot, you know, during the day when we didn't have anything to do. And uh, he had t- something tore up on his bow, and we went to a bow shop in town that day. And, and I don't remember what it was. I didn't know anything. About, I don't even remember what was wrong with his bow. But we went to an arch- found an archery shop. We went, and uh, they were working on his bow. And I just wasn't interested in hunting at all. Just literally wasn't interested. And uh, I started watching, of all things, the old Drury videos were in the on um, vhs were playing on this oh. dude's tvs yeah and it was you know the 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 old the very first ones you know back when they were still killing 130 inch deer and really happy about it um <laughs> <laughs> that was a while ago um yeah so um but the thing that impressed me about it was they would go through um their setup you know, in the wind and, and bottlenecks and, and benches and funnels. And they were talking about all this stuff and it just seemed like such a cool little chess match. And, um, literally. and then they were, they were doing it with a bow and I thought this is pretty cool. And so literally I asked the guy at the archery shop right then I said, what would it cost for me to get set up after I sat there for an hour and watched Drury videos <laughs> and, uh, I said so. Thanks, Drewish, for getting me in the outdoor industry, uh, outdoor hunting business, because uh, that's exactly what got me started hunting. Was that? And uh, um, Do
2: you, you ever get a chance to tell Mark or Terry that story?
3: I never have. I've talked to them a couple of times, and I never, I've never told either one of them that story. Um, I think
2: they'd appreciate it. I, I'm sure. And of it. Then,
3: uh, I will, I will tell them probably at ATA this year, um, yeah. but. Um, uh, I've, I've just never had the perfect opportunity you know they get when, when they're at those events that I'm at same events they're they're always kind of bombarded with people so oh, it's yeah. hard to oh, yeah. you know it's hard to find that but but the guy I asked him right then I said I want you know what's the cheapest you can set me up with everything I need you know to to be a bow hunter here and uh the guy set me up with uh I don't even remember what it, I don't know, a Hoyt Rebel and um uh, I don't even I don't know what sites were on. I have zero idea what sites were on. It was a, it was a three pin site and a quickie quiver and uh some kind of rest. I don't remember what it was either. Whisker and, biscuit. Um, Everyone had a um, quickie quiver. Yeah, it was just a two prong rest, you know, back before. Oh, always. The old T M um, Hunter. Yep, and um uh half a dozen arrows and he gave me um Little quick rundown right there in his shop at ten yards, and kind of taught me how to shoot a little bit with a release. And I went back to the trailer and started shooting with my buddy, and um, then I just kind of got enamored with it. And but I was a guy that I studied everything, man. Like I, I, I got a subscription to every magazine. I bought every Drury video, every video I could buy that yep. was on whitetail hunting, and um, and we we're, we, I mean. We watched them in the trailer. Guys that were rodeoing with me were sick of watching hunting videos because I just watch them over and over again. And, um, there was, you know, literally every bow hunting magazine that was available was laying in my trailer, and uh, and then I bought books just strictly on whitetail deer that weren't even about hunting. Just you know, everything I could learn about whitetail. And um, got to talk to a buddy of mine that that rodeoed with me a little bit and let me hunt his place, and uh, I went and hung a stand and. Went in there a week later, first day, and killed a 126 inch eight point. Whoa. Now,
2: now, tell that's a good first. I was done. <laughs> T- tell us about that. How did you translate all that library and go out to the? J- just s- slow slow us down with that.
1: Date. Was it luck, or did, it was, did all those movies
3: pay off? Yeah, uh, it was. I mean, it was a combination of the movies, but I can tell you the most. The thing I got the uh, of the videos and the, and the magazines because literally you know the the main thing I learned from watching the Drury videos was just a lot about funnels and bottlenecks you know back in the day they did a lot of instructional stuff back in their first videos about why they were hanging stands in certain spots and talking about pinch points and different things and it's a lot of stuff that I still use today and um um, and it's just, and, and to me now, like I look at it and I think it's just so common, it's just such common sense, you know? Um, but then I didn't know anything about it, but the thing I think I learned the most that taught me the most was just reading books on whitetail deer, anything I could find that I could read. Cause obviously you weren't going to just jump on your phone and pull it up on Google, you know, uh, Twenty plus years ago, um, so I would just find books and anything I could find to 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 learn about whitetail deer and and why they would be certain places at certain times of the year. What kind of food sources, uh, habitat, bedding area. Um, Everything I could learn about the whitetail, I learned there. And then what I learned about wind direction and stuff like that was through the videos, because, you know, obviously they're not you're not going to learn that from a whitetail book. But the Drury videos kind of taught me a lot of that. And the magazines, Peterson's Bow Hunting and yep. Bow Hunter, and those, all those magazines, I had a subscription to all of them. And I would just read everything I could read and just absorb it. And um, hung a stand in a little pinch point that went toward the river that had a bunch of white oak acres falling. And I looked, and there was four active scrapes right there going into that little pinch point. And Get I was out. like, I'm going to put a, I'm going to put a stand right here. Put a, <laughs> I put a 10 foot ladder stand up and the first afternoon I got in the stand and it was October 22nd and, um, those scrapes were active. And when I hung that stand, I went in there and put some torso gland scent from Hunter's specialties. Oh, there you go. Um, Torsal. They used to have a Torsal Supreme, I think, is what it was called. And um, I poured some Torsal scent in those uh, in those open scrapes because I had read in those magazines that it was you know early season; those bucks were you know kind of marking their territory. Just and,
2: a signpost, you
3: know, yep. And just a signpost. And so I was like, "Well, I'm going to see if I can piss him off and make him think another buck's in his territory." I did it, and. I've been in the stand about an hour. I blew a grunt call about three times, and he walked out, started working the scrape, and I shot him in the scrape.
2: Uh, <laughs> it's like you were in one of the videos. That, That's fantastic. And,
3: uh, like, th- th- it, th- that and I was th- doomed from that point on. Yeah, <laughs> of course.
1: To have that kind of leg up is like, you know, honestly, I, I, for a lot of people, people in Pennsylvania, my own personal experiences, everything that I ever knew about deer has come from somebody else's Telling me mm-hmm. stand over there, and then yeah. that's they're gonna come from the left, and then you're gonna shoot something. Like to for you to go out hands on, see all the sign, do it like self taught, self taught in the in the first you know. Yep, that is epic, dude. You don't even know.
3: Yeah, and the funniest part of it was like I was everything that I'd read told me to stay in the stand, even though I watched the deer fall. He fell like. Man, he fell literally like sixty yards from the stand, and uh, I, you know, I don't I know that fall. you
1: Tell a, a rodeo dude that he can't get what out of the stand.
3: <laughs> well, I didn't want—I didn't want to. I was trying to just, you know, if I'd have had a seat belt up there, like you know, at the time I did, there were there really wasn't hunter safety system no. so we just wore those. We just wore those belts, you know, that that it was just a it was a safety belt, so it was just around your waist, and yeah. you were just tied to the tree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we call them rib and, breakers. Yeah, rib breakers, exactly. So um, so I was just tied to the tree with that belt. And um, and I remember thinking, man, I want out of this belt so bad, I want to go down there and get my hands on this deer. And uh, I just made myself sit there, even though I watched him expire, you know. I mean, I watched him die. Good and um,
1: Yeah, good for you.
3: And I made myself sit there for like 20 minutes. And I got down, and since it was my first ever kill, and if you notice, I say kill a lot because I'm not a big harvest guy, I mean. So, gotcha. It's, I'm more. I'm, I'm more of the. It's I'm more of the fact that I, I. just. I. I feel like a lot of times we have to say it, and in a lot of situations we have to say it. But sure. I. I just always felt like I don't want to cheapen that animal's life by saying I harvested it. Actually killed it. I took its life.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you, you, har- you harvest crops. No, I killed a couple <laughs> ears of corn last night. Did you? yeah? You know <laughs> yeah.
3: So that's so. So what was funny was I was watching. I watched the deer die. And then after about 20 minutes, I got down and I actually followed the blood trail because it was the first blood trail I'd ever seen. And um, I had a really good blood trail, even though I was looking at the deer. And then I stood back about thirty yards from the deer and threw sticks at it for like ten minutes, oh, making, sure, making, making sure it wasn't going to get up and run off. And, yeah. and what was so stupid about it was I didn't bring my bow with me. What I did, oh, bow, man, I was, I, I was literally just standing there Whipping throwing sticks at the deer because I thought if it's going to get up and run away, it's going to run like if I hit it with a stick. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I can. And, uh, I know you're a calf roper, but you. I'm sure you wrestled Uh,
1: a steer once or twice. He left the bow and brought his lasso. Yeah, Yeah,
3: wrestled that. uh, um, But what was even more funny was my buddy had – I walked out there, and he was going to come back and get me at at, at, that dark, which obviously no cell phones or anything back then, so I couldn't call him and say, hey, I just shot a deer. Um, So it was about an hour and a half, maybe two hours later, uh, he comes pulling up in the, in, in the jeeps that they drive around their farm and uh, his headlights hit me and I'm sitting in the middle of the, in the, middle of the road with, a, with this buck and he was like what the crap he said I didn't think you were actually going to kill one <laughs> 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 that's what I came out of here for and, um, and what was even crazier was while I was sitting there with that buck uh, just, just admiring the buck and kind of you know, not necessarily the, the horns or anything. It was more or less, it was just one of those weird deals where I was just literally sitting there looking at this deer going, wow. yeah,
1: Um,
3: it's surreal. this is a, this is a very surreal moment in my life. And, and I was just, you know, you know, feeling of, of, feeling of his, of the hair and feeling of his hide and feeling of the horns and just, just looking at him over. And I looked on the road and here comes a doe walking toward me and a buck about probably a 150-inch 10-point steps out behind this doe and wow. starts walking straight towards us. Get out. Sounds the like you were in the like, right spot. The doe gets like 15 yards and walks in the woods, and the buck keeps coming, like straight toward me. And I'm like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> 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 he finally got close enough. He realized that something wasn't right. He turned and went in the woods. but uh, That one would have been here.
2: justified with self-defense. Yeah.
3: Oh, absolutely, yeah. You're coming but it right was, uh, for us. Yeah, it was a it was a pretty amazing experience for my first hunt, and then uh, I'd say. I was hooked. I was hooked from that point on. Like, um, heck yeah! And then I was hooked on bow hunting. Like, I still, you know, I yeah, I got a t- bunch of friends that, that that rifle hunt, and they love to rifle hunt, and they love to shoot rifles. And I have there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Everybody's got their own deal. I just love. To shoot my bow and um and i just love the whole bow hunting experience that's just kind of my thing and and uh, and you know every year i just can't wait till bow season and since then you know i've i've had a lot of you know pretty decent success around the country public land private land lease land and it doesn't matter to me i'll hunt anything i'll hunt anywhere um, nice what's your, I hunted, what's your I setup? Hunted, my setup i shoot for prime now so this is i've been with prime for a year um so i've been with prime for i was with bear um archery and and trophy ridge for nine years um part of that team and i created a lot of content there and really enjoyed it for years and years and years and um i don't know it was just uh, there were so many new bows coming out from so many different companies and uh, I've been hunting out West some with, with, uh, Jason Matt and some other guys out West at Tim Burnett from solo hunter and those guys and sure. uh, were all my buddies. And it was like, I was hanging out with the prime team all the time, like yeah. for five or six years, I was with the whole prime crew, Remy Warren, all those guys, Steve Eklund, they were all my buddies. And when we were at events, that's who I was with. And, uh, so, you know, uh, Ryan Silver at prime asked me about four years ago at, at uh, at Jason's house, we were all at Jason's house after, after a hunt and he said, man, you should come, come shoot for prime. And I said, I've been with bear a long time and I just don't, um, you know, I, my whole deal is loyalty, man. If somebody's super loyal to me, man, I'm going to, I'm going to give them all my loyalty back. And, uh, uh and I'm just, and two, I think, you, you know, if you, if you brand the guys that brand jump a lot, um, I think I think you you have to lose a little bit of credibility there um it's it's the nature of the business, I get it, but at the same time uh you know it's it's hard to tell somebody you know, oh, this is the greatest bow that's ever been made um or i love this bow and the ones i hate are the ones that get on there and this is the this is the greatest that's ever been made and tomorrow they sign with a new company oh wait a minute this is the greatest bow that's ever been made (laughs) (laughs) um uh i really love this broadhead but wait i today i love this broadhead better (laughs) um and um you know i just it's kind of a loyalty thing with me it's why i've been with the companies i've been with for so long but uh but yeah it was like an opportunity for me to um there was a big change going on at bear I'm not saying it was for the worse. it was it was just a big change and, and i didn't know a lot of the people that that i started out with working there with and uh, i just saw an opportunity to branch out and do something different and um i contacted prime and i said if you guys are still want me on your team man i would really love to shoot prime and and i'd shot their bows every year at ata and i jumped on the jumped on the on the prime team this year and
2: uh you i mean there's worse decisions you could have made it's they they make absolutely
3: yeah so i shoot so my setup is is prime spot hog i shoot the uh the vapor trail gen 7 rest um and stokerized stabilizer and i've been with uh uh, victory. I've been with victory archery, victory arrows for, for nine years. So pretty much uh, outside of prime and outside of prime and, and the site company and, and vapor trail, uh, the other companies that I work with, like, like, like victory. I've been with those people for a long time and, and also G five this year. So I'm shooting them. I shot a mechanical broadhead last year for the first time, crap, probably eight or nine years. I haven't shot a mechanical broadhead in eight or nine years, but I shot, I shot their, um, their dead meat last year. Who were the dead and, meat? Uh, yeah. Yep, yeah. and, uh, and thought it was the most grand mechanical broadhead I've ever shot. And I, the only reason I shot it was because of uh, Jason Matzinger. He had killed uh, antelope, mule deer, and elk, all with the dead meat last year. And it was his first year to shoot a mechanical in years, too. And I called him, and I said, so what do you think? And he said, man, he said, unbelievable blood trails. And he blew through everything. He said, I got zero complaints. And Jason's one of those guys that he'll tell you right up front, I'm not going to shoot this broadhead. And he told me, he said, I got zero complaints on that broadhead. He said, that sucker worked every time. And he said, my blood trails were great, which out west, you know, you see most of those animals fall anyway. Yeah. Um, it's not like where we're hunting in the thickets where you don't even see them come in until they're 30 yards from your tree. Right. Um, yep. but, uh, but, yeah, so... But if, um, if
2: you still want to swear by a fixed-blade broadhead, it's also hard to beat those strikers.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yep, absolutely. And uh, it's, you know, I just... And the main thing I like to, to do whenever, if I get involved with a company, is, is is I want to get involved with the people that are running those companies, you know? And, yep. and uh, I know you guys are involved with Quest, and, and, and uh, the, the Quest Whitetail yep tournament and and that's the thing about them and, and and brian and jeff and all those guys can tell you that uh, when they first contacted me about coming on board with doing some stuff with quest um i told them i said well you know first thing i want to do is drive up and sit down and meet you guys and uh, that's they're, what i did they're I, good
0: I people up, man definitely
3: i drove up sat down and met them and after one afternoon with 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 those guys i knew they were great people. They yeah. were fully vested. They completely believed in what they were doing. And this was not a fly by night operation. And, uh, and they were, it was all about, it wasn't about them just making a, making a dollar. It was about them creating something that was going to be beneficial to the outdoor industry. Yeah, a community. And, uh, sure. and to our community. Yeah. And, and once I saw that, then I absolutely wanted to be on board with it. So same thing with Badlands and the other companies I work with. It's, a uh, it's the people, man. If, if uh, I like having a personal relationship with them and, and, and that's kind of how I operate.
1: I am so glad we're talking about this because I know I, you know, that was one of the things that Tim Ensley to me, I've never had a chance to meet you. Um, we run in the same circles and, uh, or, you know, in, in ATA, like the industry itself, we say it all the time. It's a, it looks small. big, but it's
3: really small. It's very community. small, man. Yeah. It's a very small industry.
1: And, uh, and we know some, a lot of the same peoples. And, and, um, so I, I'm absolutely aware of Tim Ensley. And, and that was one of the things that I wanted to cover tonight. And I'm glad we talk about it, is that, you know, you're, you've been with the same companies for so long and, you know, it's like, you grow with those companies, yeah, it, yeah. You know, or, or shape those companies. Like it's that's. I just I'm so impressed by it.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, it's you know the thing thing about me is I mean I feel fortunate that that I started out. You know, that I, when I quit rodeo and like I, my intention was not to go into the outdoor industry. I didn't have a clue what I was going to do when I retired from rodeo. I had zero idea what I was going to do. Um, mm-hmm you know, the only thing I knew was that I'd rodeoed for a living for all these years and I knew I wasn't going to be able to just go, you know, sit down into nine to five. And so I was going to have to find something else that I really loved doing Yeah. Um, and, and figure out another way to make a living at it. And the only other thing I enjoyed as much as rodeo was bow hunting. And so I thought maybe there's an opportunity for me somehow to work in the outdoor industry. Somehow I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't even have any expectations but a buddy of mine that owned an archery shop said, you should go to the Archery Trade Association with me. And, um, and, uh, it was weird because that year I bought a little digital printer and I was making arrow wraps for my buddies and, I'd never had a Facebook page and I started a Facebook page right after, just for me personally, just keep up with my rodeo buddies after I quit rodeo. And some of my buddies started throwing up these arrow wraps that I was making for them on, on their Facebook pages. And then, um, one night, um, it was really weird. I made some really cool raps for myself and, uh, I got a a message on Facebook this was 10 years ago from Cameron Haynes. Yeah. What? And Cameron said, Hey, my name's Cameron Haynes. At the time he wasn't, you know, the Cameron Haynes of the social media lore that he is now. Oh, he sure. was the Cameron Haynes that wrote the book Backcountry hunter bow hunter. Um, he was also the editor, you know, at the time for Eastman's bow hunting magazine. Right, right. And, um, and I think he had a couple YouTube videos up that were just, you know, kind of, you know, just playful things. And, uh, but I knew, I knew who he was, you know, I knew he was a legendary backcountry guy. And, uh, and, uh, I was like, wow, really, really you're messaging me. He said, I've got a special bear hunt coming up and I was curious if you could make me some custom arrow wraps for it. And I'm like, sure. What do you want? And he wanted beef mode on a yellow wrap with tiger straps. <laughs> and I said, sure. So I made them, and sent them to him, and he sent me um, sent me a signed copy of his book, which was really cool. I read it a couple times; it's a great, great written book. And um, literally, uh, when when I went to ATA that year, I met him, and he handed me his autograph picture for Hoyt and Easton. And that autograph picture was him standing in front of a big brown bear, his first one, that was laying behind him out of focus in the snow. And he's holding up a bloody arrow with my arrow wrap on it right in front of his face. Seriously. Oh, jeez. And and he signed that, and he handed me that, and he said, dude, thanks. And I'm like, no kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Next thing I know, I'm making arrow wraps for 20 TV shows.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
3: Pig Man, all these different people. That's how I met I met, I met a ton of people because I was making custom error wraps. And so, I mean, I was making custom error wraps for, man, at one time, I know I was making custom error wraps for at least 20 different television shows. And, you know, the way I got to know the guys at Bear was actually Brian Quonk, a pig man, actually took me over and introduced me yeah. to the guys at Bear. And uh, so, you know, I had some introductions by some great people. And then, you know, fortunately that year I met guys like Jason Matt Zinger, Willie Schmidt, Some of those guys, I sound like I'm name dropping, but at that time, at at that time, those guys were just, you know, in their third year of their television shows and they were struggling to, to make it just like everybody else. And they were just the most genuine, nice, um, ethical guys. And I think they basically, I can tell you for sure that Jason Matt Zinger and Willie Schmidt shaped, um, the way I handle my business now because I watch the way they handle theirs. Super loyal. They believe in the products that they use. They won't they won't promote a product they don't believe in just to get a dollar. Sure. Um and um and once I watched them do that and watched the way they handled their self and handled their self with the companies they worked for, I said that's that's the right way to do it. That's the way if everyone would do it that way, it would be a lot easier to manage a career in the outdoor industry, but right. it's, you know it's just not that way, unfortunately.
1: No, I love it. I, I and and it, it just says a lot. Like you said, you're rubbing elbows with with a lot of people uh, in the industry, and it's a small community, and you can't yeah. really afford to screw it up. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't no. know how to say it any other way. You know, and, and uh, but the best part about this whole story to me is that you took something out of nothing and and created an environment with, that was in, attractive to other people in the industry and yeah. uh, you know and you're still doing it and you're killing well,
3: it well it's crazy like i don't i don't really do any air wraps anymore i just do them for a few friends you know like like I saw y'all had Jessica on there, uh, Jess Byers the other day. And, um, yep. so, JTB. you know, I met, I met, I met Jess, uh, when she was catching a lot of flack and, and, uh, she came and she came to the film festival a few years back. And, um, she made a she made a post about uh after she went to the film festival that she was going to have a film in the film festival the next year that be good enough to win it and i thought that was very arrogant and i actually messaged her and said you do know who you know the kind of people that we have in this film festival right it's pretty bold statement you know to put out that your very first film is going to be good enough to win the film festival but i do yeah. hope you put a film in and um just watching where Jess has grown from that point, you know I mean? She was, and I don't think she meant anything by it. I didn't, she didn't mean a thing by it. Um, uh, and and I've and after I've got got to know Jess and know what kind of a person she is and that she works super hard and she is a constant student and trying to learn yeah. you know more and more yeah. every day and she doesn't and she and she portrays it that way if you notice you know on her on her stuff um, getting to know people like her um, and then watching her put a film in the film festival that ended up winning third I was like. You know, way to go, Jess! You know yeah. her very well, first film. Well, that, um, yeah,
1: that's just it. Like well, the the ladies that we love to talk to, and you know, it's just they are so hardcore, and they just they bring it. And every day, yeah. if you watch their social media. They're not. There's no joke to her. No, you know? no, none at all.
3: No, we hung out. We hung out at Salt Lake. Um, And that's the thing about me. Like I'm with Badlands. I've been with Badlands for years. I mean, their logo was tattooed on my arm. Um, and I've been with them for for forever and I'm going to be, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I'll be with them till the end. That's Um,
2: that's some loyalty there, bud. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even have my wife's name
1: tattooed on me. (laughs) Tim Hensley is not afraid of commitment.
3: No, (laughs) no, not at all. Um, so, uh, but like, yeah, but like at, at Salt Lake, you know, the Sitka crew had a, had a big, bash every night after the, after the, uh, after the shoots were over and all the functions were over, we had to go to, and man, we went and hung out with the Sicker group, you know, at, at their parties every night. And Jess was there and we hung out and visited. And, and uh, I mean, you know, it's just, it's just, we're all one big family and it doesn't matter what camo you wear and it doesn't matter what bow you shoot and it doesn't matter what broadhead you use or whether you hunt public land or private land it just doesn't matter you know the fact of the matter is is that we're all buying hunting license we're all promoting conservation um and we're all out there doing it and keeping this you know this tradition and this heritage alive uh so it, i don't really care how anybody hunts you know if they if they if, I if, they, if we, we i live in arkansas and you know uh Baiting is allowed. I don't really call it baiting because I don't necessarily hunt over feed, but I feed because if I don't feed and my neighbors are feeding, all my deer are going to go to my neighbor's house, um, and they're not going to be at my house. But um, I feed, and I have, and I have zero. You know, there's nothing wrong with feeding if it's legal in your state. Feed yep. absolutely, um, the, yeah. But the one, but the one thing I love to do is I love to hunt public land where there is no feeding because it just keeps honing those skills, you know, those outdoor skills, um, of finding that natural food source and finding those natural funnels and, uh, you know, finding those spots where, you know, the deer want to be at, at what time of year. So I do, I love hunting public land. And I hunt most of my hunting in Arkansas is done on public land, even though I have a lease and we go hang out on the lease and we cook breakfast. And my, uh, my family hunts there and, and, uh, uh, during rifle season, so yeah. Uh, but but I love to hunt public land, and it's kind of what I love to do. But at the same time, I have a lease in Kansas, and everybody's like, will not you hunt public land in Kansas?" And I'm like, "I got a lease in Kansas. I don't have to hunt public land in Kansas." <laughs> 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 I mean, I don't I don't have to worry about walking by somebody's tree stand to go get to my tree stand because yeah. you know they're all my tree stands, <laughs> 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 and, and I don't care. A valid <laughs> <That's> point. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think I think that's that's kinda where we are. Like, um I hunted um uh, i would never hunted a high fence. A buddy of mine in Texas invited me out to hunt their place and is twenty one hundred acres under high fence, yeah. And yeah. Uh, but there, but there was no no species that had ever been introduced to that high fence. It was literally they fenced their property um, and left the deer and the hogs and the turkey that were in there. That's what's in there. Whatever was in there is what what reproduced. <laughs> um, they didn't bring in you know a bunch of you know
0: test uh, tubes big, and
3: no, they didn't bring <laughs> any of that stuff. It was literally the doe and and the, just all the doe and all the bucks that were in that. in in there when they fenced it that's what was in there the hogs that's what was in there
1: Um, they didn't have a vial of uh, megalodon semen no
3: no, and there was no exotics introduced to it and he also had 3,000 acres of of, uh, uh, free range and I hunted both and I'm just going to tell you I hunted that that high fence and he had some pictures of some really good bucks on there that were going to he had some eight points that he wanted taken out um, the, the genetic her because he had some some really good ten points and they were trying to take some of these old eight points out that were like. Oh. 21-inch inside eight points that Uh, were just really tall. I mean, you know, know, 130-inch eight points. And I I was like, I'm more than happy to do that. You're talking to some PA boys here, dude. You're just, that's just. Well, uh, guess what? I hunted that thing for seven days and never saw a mature buck. Never saw a mature deer. And I came out of there and I I told a buddy of mine, I said, how was hunting the high fence? And I said, no different hunting. Twenty one hundred acres of no of no fence. Yeah, it is exactly. no different. Literally, if they don't want to be found, you're not going to find them. Yep. I mean, um, the only difference is is that they can't leave that specific area and roam off to somebody else's property and get killed. They're going to stay right there. And I said, it was, it was tough. I mean, I said, I told him, I said, there's feeders up. I mean, everything you'd want. And I've never saw a mature buck. Like i never drew my bow back one time and eight days. And then I ended up going on the, um, on his free range. And he said, shoot anything you want on the free range, you know, and I went on the, on the free range and like the second morning on the free range, I, I killed a, you know, 121 inch, Nine point, and uh, okay. uh, and and he was a fully mature deer, and uh, I was happy with it. And it was like, so when I came out of that, I came out with a whole different view of what you know Texas high fence hunting it was because yeah, it's okay. it's not what people think it is, um, not in not anywhere close to what they think it is. Now I'm sure there's places out there that it is, and. Mm-hmm. You know, um Yeah, you, you really think, need to
2: know all of the information before you can pass judgment sure. on anything just based on I, the name. Because yeah, a high fence it. does not necessarily mean a penned hunt. You know?
3: Yeah, a penned and I, now I took some photos for a buddy of mine uh in Kansas. I was up there hunting his his place. Um he had free he had free range uh outfitted hunts and then he also had a two hundred acre pen. and he had uh he had these two-year-olds in there that were all over 200 inches um, and he had clients that would come in and they would basically order those deer off of a menu and
1: and they all have names that's a, that's yeah. what I was making fun well, of they really. did, they megalodon semen did, really, was they did yeah like they all have like these exa- you know big monster names like grotesque but he
3: didn't he didn't have names on his his names. were all numbered like cows his just had ear tags and they yep. were numbered like cows and they had and they've been raised by an amish community there that raised them in pens and and straight up protein i mean like these deer knew nothing but straight up the richest protein and these are two-year-old yep. deer that were 200 inches Wagyu. and i'm like this is the craziest thing No, you couldn't eat them you couldn't like you could not eat these deer like he said you don't eat these deer because they're just there was something something about them that you just you couldn't eat them and and another thing he said was once he turned them loose in that 200 acre pen literally within a week they would probably just lay down and die because they would just been raised in these little pens and these people were paying 12 and 13 thousand dollars to come and shoot one of these bucks um and he would literally drive them around on a on a on a gator and they would look and he'd glass and he'd say yeah that's number 222 that's the one you want and the guy would step out and the deer would stand there and look at him and he would walk up and stick an arrow through him at about 40 yards and the deer would run over and lay down by a tree and they'd wait on him to die and they'd come get him and and that was it. But um, that, That's a lot different than what you did. Yep. Yeah. It's a lot different than what I did. And the other thing, I didn't, it, it's not my thing. And um, it's not something I, th- I would ever do. Like, it's nothing I would ever do. I talked to the two gentlemen that I took, that I photographed for them. Uh, they are both in their 70s. They both hunted all over the world both of them were so crippled that when they sat down behind the deer, like I could, they could barely get up and they were both bow hunters and they were showing me pictures of animals they'd killed. I mean, they'd both killed doll sheep. Um, they both, and these were not pinned hunts. I mean, these were wild hunts. They oh, went wow. on the actual hunts. They'd killed moose, you know, and in, in Canada, they'd killed, you know, some really good elk. I mean, they were all outfitted hunts, but they were not pinned hunts. Yeah. Um, and they'd killed, you know, some 150, 60, 70 inch whitetail. And both of them told me, they said, listen, you know, we've both of us have always wanted to kill a 200 inch deer. We're never going to. They said, the chances of us killing a 200 inch deer now is as good as the chance of us getting struck by lightning, you know, twice. Sure. I'm like, yeah. And they said, well, we saw an opportunity to buy these deer and. Ha- to have a 200 inch deer hanging on our wall, and they said we're not going to lie about how we killed them. We killed them in a pen, they're 200 inches, and yeah. they shot them. And I said, well, you know, if that's your deal, then that's that's your deal, you know. Exactly. Okay. Right. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pass judgment on Tim. I hate that's to good. I hate to do you this because
2: all, I, I know what DK is about to start doing here. I got sure. a feeling. So before we do, I want to get deep down into the weeds, probably deeper than we should go, but I'm just going to ask a question out of pure, selfish uh, inquisitiveness.
3: <laughs> you talked about your setup with your vapor
2: trails rest. Is that one of those limb-driven dropways?
3: Yeah, it is. It's uh, um, it's the GM7, and nice. they, make, they make that rest specifically for, I mean, you can buy that rest specifically for a Hoyt specifically yep. for a Matthews specifically for a prime. And, and when you put it on and you level that rest, it, I'm telling you the setup on that rest was so quick and I'm not going to say the rest that I took off my bow um, is definitely, it wasn't a company that I was sponsored by and I bought this vapor trail rest because I just love the way it worked. It's right. Um, I'm not sponsored by vapor trail. Um, but, after I watched that watched that rest operate on the other guys that I was shooting with that were shooting prime, uh, I was like, I want I want to try that rest. And so- I literally walked over to the vapor trail booth and I bought one and he put it on for me. And I'm telling you, when I sighted it in, and I took a $200 rest off my bow and put this rest on. Yeah. And, um, and put this rest on and literally my groups tightened up immediately. And I was like, holy crap. I cannot. I mean, like I would have never dreamed that in a million years. Like I said, I'm not sponsored by vapor trail. Yeah. They don't give me anything. Um, I bought that rest and I'm telling you, it was, it, it it's a game changer. It was a game changer for me because I mean, so
2: a lot of the hunts you're doing out West though. And this is what the reason I'm asking. I haven't asking. switched yet to a limb driven, but mm-hmm. I, I I'd certainly intend to, but I've been shooting dropaways forever. I set up a lot of bows, uh, even a lot of the bows for the guys around this table. I set up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there they go. And um, I'll you know, how up, tight those groups shoot. I've set up limb driven <laughs> rests. I just haven't done it myself. And one of the reasons is because of that cord that runs uh-huh. the full length all the way down to your limbs. If you're hunting out west, though, and you're covering a lot of ground on an elk hunt, something like that, do you ever run into issues where you're getting hung up with that extra cord hanging there?
3: I never have. I mean, okay. um, but but now, like I, I haven't I haven't gone on an elk hunt with it either. But I did drag that thing all over, you know, two total archery challenges in the mountains, uh, in the mountains That's and. Cool. and and I can tell you, the one up there that we did in in Utah was treacherous. It was because uh, it was the first year that had it there, and now the trails yeah. were beat down. And I'm gonna tell you, it was like bushwhacking to get to those targets. Literally bushwhacking to get to those targets. Uh, it was rough. It was a rough course. Like it was um, not only was it rough to shoot, uh, tough to shoot, but it was a uh, it was just rough hiking.
0: Right on. <laughs> hey Tim, we are approaching that time in the show. Deak Told you he was going to do it. it. I knew
3: ah, it. Okay. I knew I it. Him.
0: No, this is a good part, though. Oh. He's okay. got, this is we're, we we call this the Fast Five. We're going to ask you five rapid questions. Okay. You answer them the best of your ability. We'll tell you if they're wrong off the air, <laughs> but the,
2: there are no wrong. <laughs> but answers. But there are no wrong answers, especially yeah, for exactly. somebody who's been you know a rodeo professional. Yeah. yeah There's no exactly. wrong answers. <laughs>
0: So, first question: What can't you live without in the outdoors?
3: Can't live without in the outdoors.
0: Um, a bathroom. <laughs> You're not just gonna find
3: a stump. No, like I want a bucket or something. Like I literally want something. Like I like I'll. I guess I could live without it, but um it's just a lot more pleasant if, if, if there's actually some sort of a little port. and I and I do a lot of camping and, and uh it. Yeah. Yeah. A some little, sort uh, of a luggable, yeah. luggable loo. Yeah, absolutely. Right, yeah. right on five gallon bucket from Home Depot will work just fine.
0: There you
3: go.
1: <laughs> Number two. What's your favorite
2: movie?
3: My favorite movie is uh, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Oh my gosh. <laughs> nice. Wow.
2: So didn't see that coming. Not Luke yeah. Perry.
3: Not Luke Perry in eight seconds. <laughs> no, my dad was in that movie. And uh, is that right? uh my favorite no, my dad was in that movie and the night before Lane Fry, Frost died, we my dad and I both were talking to him on the announcer stand at a rodeo in Weatherford, Texas. And I had just flown into Weatherford from Salinas, California. And my dad was announcing the rodeo at Weatherford and I flew into Weatherford, which was my hometown at the time and was competing there the next day. And I flew in and was hanging out with my dad and Lane and Tuff had flown in to Weatherford from cheyenne where they'd rode that morning they flew to weatherford road that night and they were flying back to cheyenne for lane to get on his second bull the next day and the bull the next day is the one that killed him holy <laughs> wow. and when dad and i and when dad and i were talking Jesus. to him on the he had, the bull the day before the bull that week earlier that week had jerked him down and broke his jaw so he had his jaw wired shut when we
2: were talking to him that night all right, you uh, know what? I we even said that I wasn't going to do this for a professional rodeo guy, but you know what? Your answer's wrong. Secret Life of Walter Mitty can't be your favorite movie. After what you just told me, it has movie. to be eight seconds. Come on, <laughs> no, it's not. Like literally, it's
3: not my favorite movie because because uh, it's, it's so not real because it's real maybe because mainly because it was uh, embellished a little. So uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll give you that one. Yeah, yeah. Right on. Okay.
1: Were you okay with Jason or Luke Perry <laughs> playing that part?
3: Yeah, he did a really good job, as a matter of fact. Very cool. Yeah, I think I'll go with Luke Perry on that one because he he did a good job. I was kind of wondering how 90210 was going to mix with somebody like Lane. But, like, Lane could have actually, like, lived at 90210. Like, he'd have been, like, the country version of (laughs) 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 was He was just that, oh, gosh, really old shucks guy, you know, like he could just kind of fit in anywhere. Wow. Yeah.
2: Go ahead, Bucky. What's number three? Hey, what's the one thing you do daily to prepare for your outdoor lifestyle?
3: Uh, now, the one thing I do daily to prepare for my outdoor lifestyle, really and truly, is is I run. And I used to not run, and I hated to run, and I all the hate way through running. school, I hated to run. I would, you couldn't whip me and make me run, and people would say, how. You know, when I was rodeoing, people would say to you, "You know, this is back in the day before all cowboys wanted to be athletes. We just wanted to be cowboys." Yeah. And um, now all of them want to be athletes, so they work out all the time. And we'd have probably had a lot longer careers if we'd have worked out, but we just didn't. Um, and now that I'm older, uh, I run. I run every day, and uh, and I don't necessarily run to make me a better hunter. I just run because it just makes me feel better, and way I look at it if I feel better then I'm going to feel like going hunting every day and I'm going to feel like carting those stands around every day and I'm going to go that extra mile maybe that I wouldn't have went you know on public land uh, if I was in worse shape um, and there I'll sit go. in that tree stand I'll set in that tree stand that extra hour and I'll stay up there when it's a little colder um, so yeah it's run and the guy that really got me super interested in it's Jace Balserman if you guys look up Jace Balserman he's a uh, on Instagram he's a real deal and he's a uh, He's wrote three books on, um, turkey hunting and antelope hunting and, and he's a, a master antelope hunter. He's a great turkey hunter and he's also, um, an elite, um, ultra runner like he's ran i don't know how many hundred mile races and here's the thing about him not only did he run the hundred mile race every every big hundred mile race in the united states he's ran 100 mile or 50 mile but he's been top five at all of them oh wow really and he still runs today and um jace just kind of got me interested in running so that's pretty much the thing that i do every day i think that prepares me for my outdoor lifestyle whether it's hunting or walking a slack line or hiking. I love to just go hike sometimes just by myself, just throw a pack on and just take off and find yeah. one of these mountains around Arkansas and just go hike to the top of it. So yeah, all that's part of my outdoor lifestyle. So I'd say that's, it's gotta be running. Love good, it. Good on that's you with awesome. the running.
2: So yeah. let me move on here to number four. Okay. What is on your bucket list?
3: My bucket list. So right now my bucket list is it's probably it's probably hunting related it is hunting related but i want to go and do like a really cool mule deer hunt somewhere like uh that's my bucket list i've i've really? i've been i've been enamored with uh um, i've been enamored with with white tail for so long and uh i've basically you know not trying to toot my horn or anything but i've I've, what I, I call myself successful pretty much everywhere I've gone and hunted. I've been successful killing, killing a really good white tail. I've never, I've, I've only ever gone on one outfitted hunt ever in my life. And, uh, it was in Ohio and it was when I first got in the industry and a guy invited me up and, um, uh, I, I hunted for like five days and I uh, got up there and he had me hunting standing corn, which was, I was like, why am I hunting standing corn? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good but, question, uh, but I'm doing yeah, that Saturday. Like, yeah, so 600 acres of uh, standing corn, and I was hunting on the on the edges of that standing corn, and I think in the five days, I saw six total doe um, in five days, and I was that's the only outfitted hunt I've ever been on. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel like uh, going to Montana or somewhere and, and uh, spot and stalk mule deer would be really cool. I'm actually going to do that in Nebraska here at uh, the end of October. Oh, cool. Public, public land, either species, spot and stalk, uh, whitetail mule deer, uh, wall tents, public land, bunch of my buddies were filming it all. And, um, we're excited about that, but yeah, that, that's probably my bucket list right this moment.
0: That's awesome. So last question, what makes you happy?
3: Oh man, just, just living my life. You know, the fact that I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to have two careers that I absolutely love. I mean, uh, to be able to do two things, um, I was a professional rodeo cowboy for 27 years. Um, and then as soon as I retired from that, you know, I got to fall right into my second passion, which was, which was hunting. And now that I get to make my living in the hunting industry as well, um, it's, uh, that's what makes me happy. And, you know, learning how to slack line and uh, riding my skateboard and being 52 years old and running, you know, being able to run six or eight, 11 miles. Um, that kind of stuff makes me happy. It's pretty simple. You know, I just, uh, and watching people achieve their, their dreams and goals. I mean, I like to see anyone who has a vision and they say, I'm just going to go do this. And they do it, you know, because one of the, one of my favorite sayings is, uh, you know, average is really easy to, easy because if it wasn't then you know so many people wouldn't achieve it <laughs> <laughs> right, um, right. so that's uh that's kind of that's kind of my my saying is is i just don't want to be average you know and i don't want to i'm not trying to be famous and i'm not trying to be um well known i just want to you know i see stuff that i, I think is really cool and i try to go do it And i love to watch people you know step out of their comfort zone and and accomplish things. So yeah, nice. that's pretty much what makes me happy. You know, it's, right,
0: you definitely show that and it's, it's contagious through you. Yeah, it so is. that's awesome, man. Well, I appreciate that. Well, well, Tim, it was great to have you on the show. Um, for our listeners, where can they find you?
3: Yeah. How
2: do they keep
0: up with you?
3: Well, if you want to keep up with me, the best thing is on my IG page, which is Tim Inslee wild horse. So you can basically, it's a Tim underscore Insley underscore wild horse I think I don't even know. <laughs> um, anyway so that's that's pretty much the best way to keep up with me as IG I'm on I'm, I, you know I, I generally post stuff on my stories a lot I don't I don't post a ton of stuff on my uh, actually on 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 my feed. Um, unless I have something I feel like it's interesting to say, I don't really post on there, but I do a lot of stuff on my stories and, right. um, you can find me every Wednesday night, uh, on Badlands page. We do the live of uh, the Badlands live every Wednesday night. Uh, it's eight o'clock central time and we have a different guest every Wednesday night live. And, um, uh, so you can find me there and you can find me hosting the Badlands film festival at ATA.
0: Perfect, man. Perfect. Well, we thank you for being on the show. Oh, yeah. We're going to have you stay on the line as we wrap up because we're going to send you some duck blonde coffee. Ooh, man. 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 Catch up on that flyway. <laughs> so yeah, why nothing, don't you.
3: Nothing, yeah. like, nothing like coffee in the duck blonde. There you go.
0: You get to <laughs> <laughs> migrate to a better cup. That's there you what go. they say.
3: Yeah.
0: Right, right on. Man. Perfect, man. Well, thank you. And we'll uh, we'll catch you later.
3: Right on. Sounds good. Thank you Ted. again.
0: <laughs> Guys, before we wrap up this show, uh-huh. Ryan, how about you tell us about this month's sponsor?
2: I'm not going to tell you about it, but Stevie's going to. Go ahead, Stevie.
0: This month is also brought to you in part by Miser Creative LLC. Rutten River Pursuits podcast is a production of Miser Creative LLC, and if you're interested in starting your own podcast or if you need help creating video content for social media, look us up. Give Will an email at will at ruttonriverpursuits.com for more information or pricing options.
2: Love me that creative media. Definitely. (laughs) So, (laughs) Ryan. Yeah, bud. Where can they find us? I'm not going to tell you about it. Bucky is Bucky. I where can, can they find I us? I can tell you where they can go find for, us. It, bud. They can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Rutten river pursuits on the YouTubes at Rutten river pursuits podcast oh, and God Rutten God river God pursuits. Dot com on the internets. Oh yeah. Or the worldwide webs, if you will. W, w, w. And of course you can download this podcast and all our podcasts on Apple podcasts, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. radio. Very oh very God. good, Bucky. Bucky. So smooth. You just want us to rig it weedless, don't you, um, uh, Bud? I'm ready getting that tree stand. I want to. I want to stop for a moment. And just say thank you to Deke because Tim was a great guest. Buddy. Yeah, he was good find. You are the man, Deke. <laughs>
1: Take it like a champ, bud. It's the
0: last yeah, time yeah, he's yeah. going to compliment <laughs> you. Yeah. No, Tim's the man, and I'm glad he came once. So. I will compliment
2: Deke one more time when we win the Quest Uncut.
0: All oh, right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: then I'm done. Then I'm done complimenting him. Awesome. Perfect.
0: We'll see you guys. Right. See you. Weedless.
3: I poured some torsal gland scent in those uh, in those open scrapes because I had read in those magazines that it was you know early season those bucks were you know kind of marking their territory. Just and, a
2: signpost, you know,
3: yep. And just a signpost, and so I was like, "Well, I'm going to see if I can piss him off and make him think another buck's in his territory." I did it, and. I've been in the stand about an hour I blew a grunt call about three times and he walked out started working the scrape and I shot him in the scrape
2: Uh, (laughs) it's like you were in one of the videos (laughs) that's fantastic and
1: uh, and
3: I was doomed from that point on
1: yeah (laughs) of course
3: And, um, I had a really good blood trail, even though I was looking at the deer. And then I stood back about 30 yards from the deer and threw sticks at it for like 10 minutes, oh, making, sure, making, sure, making sure it wasn't going to get up and run off. And, yeah. and what was so stupid about it was I didn't bring my bow with me when I did the Oh, bow, man. I was, I was literally just standing there Whipping throwing sticks at the deer because I thought, if it's going to get up and run away, it's going to run like if I hit it with a stick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that's the thing about me. Like I'm with Badlands. I've been with Badlands for years. I mean, their logo was tattooed on my arm. Um, nice. And I've been with them for forever. And I'm gonna be. You know, as far as I'm concerned, I'll be with them till the end. That's, um, that's
2: some loyalty and there, bud.
1: Commit. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't
3: even have my Tim wife's Hensley. name tattooed on me.
0: <laughs>
1: Tim Hensley is not afraid of commitment. Yeah. No, I killed a couple ears of corn last night.